The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Money in the Bank post show. I am John Pollock, along with waiting moments after the event from the Dickies Arena, sold out in Fort Worth, Texas. How are you, Way? Doing good, John. How are you? Um, I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. What's wrong? What's the matter? I've had uh, an awful, awful day. Really? Days of where uh, being a homeowner is terrible. Uh, every it, This entire day has been terrible. I will put it this way. This really? has been a really bad one. I will just share that outright at the okay. beginning. Do you, do you actually want to discuss it, or, or is it something you'd rather not share? Um, no. It's just dealing with uh, home appliances uh, that have turned on me. That are just uh, the bane of my existence at this moment. It, which appliance? Uh, water heater. We have we have no hot water um, and won't mm. for n- a number of days. So that's that's always good. What? Yeah, water wow. damage, uh, leaking, uh, the whole nine yards. If you can oh, imagine God. what would be the worst thing to wake up to, that's been my whole day. So I'm excited to oh, talk man. about this pay per view with you. Way you yeah, asked. Sorry. I'm honest. Yeah, no, of course I want you to be. I'm sorry to hear that. So, like, your water heater heater was leaking. I I imagine. Yes, yes. So no hot water. Like, what are you doing for showers and just cold showers? We'll, uh, yeah, cold water. That'll be uh, that'll that'll kind of be the uh, the mo for the next few days. We'll see how long this okay. goes. Yeah. All right. Well, if we uh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, if you want to. <laughs> You don't, you don't have to pity me, Way. It's uh, I'm just giving an no, update. No, no. I, 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 this I, has I, been I, seriously the, the longest day. I did not start this pay-per-view until I was still dealing with this until 8.30 tonight. Damn. Okay, well, let's get going so you can deal with, I'm sure, a whole lot of other issues <laughs> later yeah. on. Well, folks, nothing, nothing gets you more prepped for a pay-per-view than uh, uh, home disasters, but... What a smile on my face as we tuned into the kickoff show. And we had the panel to kick things off with Kayla Braxton, JBL, Jerry Lawler, Booker T, and Peter Rosenberg. The full five here. Uh, You knew it was going to be a lively crowd when The Miz and John Morrison showed up at the panel and got a thunderous response. And Booker T compared The Miz in his wheelchair to Conor McGregor. The first time The Miz and Conor McGregor have ever been compared. Um... Maybe on broadcast, sure. Uh, probably ever. I would imagine that that's not an often uh, comparison point between the two. Um, but yeah, uh, back to our regular kickoff show inside of an arena for 45 minutes where nothing happened before we went to our tag title match. I thought with- I thought there was a pretty interesting segment with Liv Morgan here. You know, they cut to the back where, mm-hmm. I mean, Liv was really singled out as the only person they spoke to who I think had any real storyline going into this Money in the Bank. And Liv was like near tears talking about, like, you almost get the sense that she was told in the back, hey, you're winning this thing. And she couldn't contain herself. So um, the emotion in her face, I thought, was was quite significant. Maybe they had just informed her you are not winning this thing. Could have been that, too. 
Yeah. <laughs> We're going with the superhero. Almost the superhero. So the kickoff show, uh, fine match here between Ray and Dominic uh, with the Usos. The Mysterios had probably the most elaborate entrance of the whole night. And they threw this on the kickoff where the two were holograms entering a portal that took them into the arena. This is pretty cool. You're right. Yeah, this was like the most kind of custom special entrance of any of the teams. By and far. This was like one of the most unique WWE entrances ever. And it just mm-hmm. seemed to be like thrown out here on the kickoff show. Like at the very least, this could have been maybe pay-per-view worthy or save it for a more important time for Ray and Dominic. I thought it looked cool. Yeah, it was, yeah, I thought, you know, it was fine on this kickoff. I mean, it was not an insignificant kickoff match. This was a title match with the title change. Yes, Dominic has also uh, resurrected Slapjack's old mask that he wore. Uh, they both have. Yeah. And a pretty lively response as the, the match began. The Usos, they pretty much took turns. They got the heat on Ray, then they got the heat on Dominic, and then they got the heat on Ray again. And they worked up to some near falls. This was a pretty hot crowd. They, they had their down moments on the show, but uh, in this one... They were pretty much behind Ray and Dominic. Ray went for the 619, and you would have thought that they were uh, teasing the audience with a full refund on their ticket at the end of the night, with the excitement level of this potential 619. But Jimmy was set up to take the 619. Jay comes, takes the bullet for his brother, and then Jay lands a super kick and an Uso splash. Ray kicks out, place goes nuts, and then with Dominic down, Jimmy rolls up Ray and Jay uses his legs to give leverage to Jimmy as they are able to use the two-on-one to pin Ray. And the Usos are your tag team champions. Mm-hmm. For the good seventh match. time. Yes. Seven-time tag team champions. You know, a good match. I would say a rather significant match for kickoff, um, I suppose, comparisons. Um, it's It was a type of match where you definitely, I mean, seeing the result tonight, they are going to do this one again. And I would assume with the same result. Um, you know, I think the title changes in order to really kind of bolster the bloodlines dominance is a, you know, dominant unit on SmackDown sets up the Usos at the top for other teams. But I do think the Mysterios will probably get at least a rematch to, you know, do this match again on a bigger stage. Did you say singular rematch? Yeah. I think we could see this a few times over the next Possible. month or so. Yeah. Who else is there? Um, this, this is our tag division and the Alpha Academy. So there you have those are it'll be it'll be those are your picks. I did think Dominic was a little clunky at the beginning, like he seemed to be off in the the early going of this match, and it's going to be interesting to watch him. Like this is someone that prior to Friday, as was noted, this is someone that has not had any wrestling matches in front of fans. That's going to be a transition for him, and I I did thought I, I did think he stood out in the beginning of this before he kind of got the rhythm going in the match. Uh, you know, I think you could excuse um, a level of nerves, you know, jumping into really a deep end here with Rey Mysterio, as well as these two veterans in the Usos. So I, I would say really considering everything, he is honestly somebody who is handling it all remarkably well. It's one of the most um, ambitious, but also insane introductions to this industry that we have seen. Mm-hmm. Here is yeah. someone that has trained, I mean, trained with Lance is... Brought into the WWE, he's introduced in, on national television, but in this completely different environment in the Thunderdome, and mm-hmm. you're working with all these people, and now you're thrown out in front of fans, and you've got to hang with all these people. Like, it's it's an enormous learning curve that 
he's going through. And largely, I think he has he has done well in the role. But mm-hmm. I think it's also to his benefit that he's in a, a tag scenario with his, with with Ray. I think that's playing to a strength there. In ring is definitely his strength. You know, um, what he is like as a fully formed character remains to be seen. Because I would say beyond kind of being Ray Mysterio's son. I, I don't know if there's much character development there. Uh, I he would the be the turn. perfect example of someone that I think was the idea of an NXT UK is that you have your TV, but it could be this touring brand and you send a Dominic to work there for six months or you, you send them to different places. Like I don't think, especially if we're looking at this main roster schedule where house shows are going to be selective, like, this guy needs ring time. We've said that many, many times. And, you know, he does need that development and working as many matches as possible in as many different places as possible would be an asset. And that's very difficult to do in WWE. Yeah. Then we had the, uh, we go to the main show and we're kicking things off with the women's money in the bank ladder match with Oscar, Naomi, Alexa bliss, Nikki, a S H live Morgan, Natalia, Tamina, and Zelina Vega and immediately uh, what did you think about some of the reactions it seemed that the audience they were very much into Alexa Bliss and a bit of a surprising one is that they seemed to be into Naomi at different points as well which is Alexa Bliss you can see Naomi is not pushed at all so that seemed Mm -hmm. to be you know it was interesting to see some of the reactions that they of characters they were behind and also pushed acts that they were not so into. Yeah, I felt like for the first time since the pandemic, at least on a major branded show, this felt like it was a crowd that wasn't afraid to go against the grain of who they were supposed to cheer and who they were supposed to boo. And it doesn't surprise me that they see Naomi at that level because, number one, her entrance is spectacular, especially in a big venue on that big screen that they have right now. Like the whole thing looked like a Daft Punk concert. It is amazing. And I mean, to me, there's a reason why they saved it for the last or at least towards the last um and i i think you know it's clear to the audience that she is somebody who is unfortunately completely under pushed right now um she's somebody who is definitely more over than i would say her push is so immediately alexa tries to reach for the briefcase and use her powers to unhook the briefcase but thankfully oscar interrupted the invisible beam of force that Alexa was sending uh, vertically for this briefcase and cut it off with a German suplex. It was the first time I've ever seen a a German suplex counter to telekinesis. Um, Jesus. Cole Cole actually had to to try to call it, which was awesome. You know, at this point, you know what you're getting with the Alexa Bliss character. As As long as they establish the power set, I'm open to it, okay? So, you know, my question is, why didn't she go back to using telekinesis for the rest of the match? Well, there you go, is one of the um, the, the holes in the game plan, that it's very selective. I thought this was going to be the dumbest part of the match, but I was, I was, I stood corrected at the end, because Alexa and Zelina Vega climbed up opposite sides of the ladder, and then Alexa hypnotized Zelina Vega who began to climb down. And I don't know, did did you have, do you have like high definition audio? Because I was trying to detect it. What she was hypnotizing her, she was saying, you do not believe in unionization. You will not be talking to Gabrielle Carteris. You will not be going and disrupting 
our independent contractor labels. Wow, wild! Wow. You you caught that. So your your network was working fine today. My um, network was okay, and Vega just obediently climbed down the ladder in this state of hypnosis, and then Bliss darted back up, going for the briefcase. Uh, worth noting here: the crowd did not react to this in the slightest. <laughs> Nothing. Sir, no. This might as well have been an arm drag and just latching onto the arm. That was the reaction this crowd had to this stupid hypnosis spot. Yeah. I mean, you know, seeing Alexa in front of a live crowd again, um, they recognize that she is somebody who I think is supposed to be a big deal in, in the division. I don't necessarily get the sense that they like her. She is supposed to be a baby face, but I do not get the sense that they look at her as somebody that they want to cheer and that they want to succeed. All that said, I mean, again... You know what to expect with this, like, mind control shit. Mind control is one of her established powers. And her using it on top of the ladder, I had no issue with it. I was totally down with it. And, you know, it was a unique spot to throw that in. Nikki climbed the ladder on the floor, dove into everyone with a with a big high cross. She almost, like, kicked off too much off the ladder because she had this, like, awkward leap, but landed it. Okay. The ladder was is not a stable base. No, no, this was, and she had to kick off pretty hard to Mm -hmm. cover the distance she was going. So thankfully it turned out okay. Uh, Bliss hit the sister Abigail on Nikki, and then Bliss gets buried underneath all the ladders on the floor by all the participants. And the audience booed this. They were all ganging up on, on the, uh, the, the witch. Liv climbs. She's yanked down by Tamina, but hits Arana, sending her into the corner. So Morgan and Naomi climb. We've got three ladders set up. Then Natalia and Tamina are up. Vega and Asuka climb up. So we've got six of the women on the three ladders. And as Alexa is on the floor, and that leaves Nikki, who just runs up there, and everyone is focused on their person they're paired off with. So Nikki just sneaks the briefcase and wins in 15 minutes and 46 seconds. And we get the shot of the other six looking so despondent on their ladders as Nikki Ash steals the briefcase and is your winner. I was surprised with the outcome here. You know, um, Nikki Ash is a relatively new character, and I would say completely, I mean, completely untested in front of live crowds until tonight. So the fact that they would show enough faith in her to give her this device, um, and presumably, you know, a future world championship reign, I I was a little bit surprised by it. Um, Nonetheless, you know, I thought the match was... An entertaining match. It was fast-paced, and I would say consistently full of action throughout. I found it quite creative with a number of spots. Maybe not all of them executed to perfection, but I was also impressed at how comprehensive it was in, in, in its ability to give a spotlight to almost every participant in the match. Um, so you know, even though Nikki won, I thought with the crowds back, you know, Liv was probably one of the people who gained the most from this entire thing. Her reaction tonight. I thought was pretty strong and I thought it was a good sign that the crowds are ready to see her in a bigger role. So, you know, she, she didn't really need the win tonight, you know, because I think her long-term story is a bigger chase to the title. Yeah. I I wasn't as um, big of a fan of of this match. I thought that it was, they tried to get a a lot of ideas in there. Some that worked, some that did not. Um, Zelina Vega to me, it's, I just think like they made her an afterthought so much. And I think this match only added to that. I don't really know where you, you almost have to start fresh with her uh, coming out of this. I think this whole reintroduction was, I think it would have made a lot more sense to just say she's this. She's not a priority. So 
that that was clearly established. Like I don't even know why she's here. But the match uh, the match had its its reactions. I just thought it was a little on the weaker side of past money in the bank matches. So after the Usos are celebrating with Roman Reigns and they said the belts are for him and Reigns notes that Jimmy was smart to learn from Jay. And winning titles was the easy part, but Reigns did the heavy lifting. He tells Jay, I brought you back. And then he goes to Jimmy and just says, and you. And does not add anything to that. So I don't know. Was this was this our veiled reference to what's been going on with Jimmy? Yeah, I do think so. I mean, there's double meaning to it. Number one, like if you don't know the story, then you would just think that, okay, this guy tried to, you know, turn on Roman and tried to, you know, defect from the family. But if you know the story, I think you know exactly what the intent was here. It was a subtle allusion to real life circumstances. And, you know, even though Jimmy... And, and if you get a DUI and you're and you acknowledge me, there's no punishment. And in fact, you'll be the tag team champion within two weeks. Yeah, there's something to be said about, about him. Like, there's no doubt if he was not Roman Reigns' cousin, if he was not involved in this current storyline, I do not think he would be on TV whatsoever. But... He is these two things, and unfortunately, he is, I suppose, according to them, involved in something that would, you know, greatly affect the, 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 um, the storylines of other people. He, he, unfortunately, well, to them, is too important to take away right now. And even though he has a championship, I feel like, I feel like his role has diminished, at least as a presence. You know, for a guy who had a shirt made up criticizing his brother about being a bitch, like he really has been positioned as Roman's bitch. He's number three now in this group. Um, he they they shamed him here, you know. Basically, <laughs> this is a unique definition of shaming somebody. Yeah, they shamed him. There's like, okay, J- Jimmy or Jay, you're the one who actually at least paid attention. Jimmy, you're an embarrassment to the family, is what he basically said. So, you know, if there's any possibility of a singles breakout role for Jimmy, I feel like that that's been lost for now. Raw Tag Team Championship match, AJ Styles and Omos versus the Viking Raiders. And so, just for you, they gave you you a recap of what you've missed during the Thunderdome era, including the award-winning skits between the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits from last year. They had to remind us, yeah. Yeah, this is what you might have missed. How could I forget? (laughs) Well, they're not going to let you. Styles immediately tagged Omos and... You know, I, I'm not going to go and overcompensate for, for Omos, but I will say he was given a lot in this match. He is a very beginner level wrestler, but he, you know, he did his part fine in this match. It was heavily reliant on AJ Styles, who was pretty much a full-fledged babyface in this match. They even did a spot where the Viking Raiders had the advantage and then they went and knocked uh, Omos off the apron. Like, it was like the Viking Raiders just assumed the heel role here, which actually benefited AJ's style to just work as a babyface. The crowd got into Omos, and you know it's and the crowd got into AJ. They really got very into AJ. much so. Like they they pop for his entrance, and they got into him during. There was AJ Styles' chance. Like mm-hmm. it's very. It was clear to this audience that they see AJ at a higher level than this, but they were yes. they were into this a lot, and it was a it was a fine match. Um, I'm still, I am not convinced with Omos that long-term, I, I don't know what the, what you're going to get out of Omos, but I mean, he did, he did his part here. He hit a tree slam in the end, pinning Eric 
And this was after a phenomenal forearm that uh, ended up being thwarted and they hit the Viking experience, but Omos uh, made the save. So they had some clever tag spots and the, the knockdown to break up the cover near the end after the Viking experience. So 12 minutes, 56 seconds, they go keeping the titles on AJ and Omos. Yeah, this match, the booking of this match was, I guess, not not, not that surprising because it's it's a similar style to, to what they've been presenting with this tag team before. But man, seeing it with a crowd now who's able to kind of like react on their own kind of puts it in a different context because um, AJ is really beloved by this crowd. And this crowd is not stupid. They know that this guy is simply there for that, for, for the reason of trying to get Omos over or getting Omos experience. My point is positioning AJ Styles as the weakling of the team, as the guy to get beaten up so that Omos can get that big tag to, to dominate is not working. People are not buying it. People want AJ Styles to be AJ Styles. And and I thought tonight was like a reminder that you're kind of sitting on like a guy who really should be a top star, at least a main eventer in AJ Styles right now. Somebody who should be in the mix and you're in the money in the bank ladder match, or at least like, you know, challenging for the championship on either team. And in my opinion, he is being wasted in this tag division. Um, Omos, you know, like, I also think the crowd sees through the smoke and mirrors. You know, I thought he was decently protected here, but to me, actually, I felt he looked a little awkward and still very limited. Um, but, and that's, you know, he is in this position right now where he is given a whole lot or maybe not given a whole lot, but given a big spotlight and you are going to get what you're go- going to get out of him. The other thing I thought it was a real indictment of was the Viking Raiders. I mean, man, these two are great in ring, but the crowd does not give a shit about either of them as characters. And how could you after like, you know, the, 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 t- well, most of the year they weren't on TV, but like when they were on TV, it was just God awful. So, um, they're not seen as stars. I thought it was a bit of a weird match, but interesting for the crowd reactions. Yeah. Inter- interesting for a lot of these matches to see like, who are the characters the audience is responding to and which are the ones that they are pretty flat for. Like we got quite a wide range of that. I'm with you on Omos. Like, I think there was a time that you can book around someone's weaknesses in it and get a run out of someone like that. It would be a limited one, but you could. 2021 is not that time. So, I mean, if this is the goal of putting them in a tag team, like, like to me, it's it's a short-term team. And I felt going into this show, like, we're kind of at the end of this, Styles and Omos. Like, the novelty of seeing Omos wrestle, we have seen... And the next step is like the breakup, I would say. And there's your real challenge of doing AJ and Omos together. And after that, Omos is, it's, I think we've seen this pattern so many times. Like you get your run out of him and then it's either you become the comedy figure or you just flounder. Yeah, I, I, if there's a path to success for him, I don't think it's necessarily through building him as this kind of big dominant giant. I think it's through character work. You know, making him kind of like an unlikely entertaining big person. And I'm not necessarily saying like make him comedy guy like like they did the big show, you know, during that run. But like giving him some sort of personality with, I think, you know, maybe chemistry that works a little bit better for him. Like as a heavy for another another person besides AJ Styles. Like he's not even AJ Styles heavy. He's more so like the competent guy on the team, whereas AJ is like, you know, the guy who's kind of holding it barely holding it together. And that to me is not working, but um, 
you know, maybe there, there, I do think there's a role for Olmos. I just don't, don't really like this one. Kevin Patrick interviewed Drew McIntyre. He has to win tonight and noted the last time in Texas, he won the Royal Rumble last year and said that we would all be happy if we never hear the term Thunderdome again with all those drones with their fake reactions. Listen to my goddamn stories. Well, if you want another story, I'm rolling into Money in the Bank, breaking some bones, and becoming Money in the Bank. End of story. <laughs> this is him uh, pretty much saying, listen, I've had to do this bullshit for way too long, and I'm done with it. The Thunderdome sucked. These promos have sucked. I used to be really over when I run the Royal Rumble, and they're trying to mess with that. Well, they're not going to mess with it anymore. That's his character. When Drew stepped onto the screen... I thought I was able to hear a very vocal mixed reaction from the crowd. And that was not the case. That was not the case on his prior appearances. It certainly wouldn't have been the case at the height of his run last year. Uh, But since then, they've done a real number on him, not just from a booking booking perspective, but also just from the way they presented him on TV. He's just not as cool anymore. But um, in this segment with him criticizing the Thunderdome, I thought he got the crowd back on his side. And thank God. Yeah, we, we all it. hated that fucking yeah. thing. <laughs> and thank God we didn't get a history lesson here from him. No, no history lesson. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come. Bobby Lashley versus Kofi Kingston for the WWE Championship. Man, the announcers went into overdrive here trying to link the feeling in the air to WrestleMania 35 when Kingston won the title from Daniel Bryan. Yes, there's something in the air. So the match begins and. MVP grabs Kofi's foot and Kofi avoids Lashley. um, And that was Kofi's best moment in this match. Lashley takes control and he beats the hell out of Kofi. He throws him into the post. He puts him in the hurt lock. Kingston broke free and for his efforts was thrown across the ring. He didn't break free, John. Like Lashley let go. And as Corey pointed out on commentary, if you see the replay, like, or if you rewatch the, the spot, Bobby was actually hiding Kofi's face from the ref, so the ref couldn't check on him to stop the match. So it was, you know, they were telling the story that Bobby is purposely prolonging the beatdown as their way of sort of having a longer version of the Brock match. Yeah, this was, this was like the Roman Reigns edge match. If you took out Edge's comeback, which was what we had here, Lashley hit the Dominator. He hit the Dominator a second time, which was remarkable because we got a pocket of fans to chant one more time. Destroy this Kofi Mania character. And so Lashley hit a third Dominator, put the Hurt Lock on, and Kofi Kingston tapped out in 7 minutes and 36 seconds. It was more of a flailing... You know, arm like it was like that, get that me be... out of here. Yeah, the announcers were yelling "stop the match" as if it was like this kind of egregious like MMA late stoppage. I know that um, there will be people that that hate this, and it goes to like we pretty much laid this out when we went mm-hmm. over the, this match. Like this was going to be it can't be Brock and Kofi. You have to go longer than that. But I think the only thing we differed from was with Bobby steamrolling him is that you would at least give Kofi some kind of hope spot somewhere they didn't even bother with that they didn't even want to tease the audience that he could win nor did the audience buy it you can look at the larger issue of creating baby faces that they have been terrible with but at this point 
you're locked into Bobby Lashley and Bill Goldberg. That is the match. Kofi is the stepping stone to get to that match. And Bobby Lashley ran through him. He's probably going to do the same thing to Xavier Woods and do it even quicker. And setting up Lashley. And like, I think tomorrow he should destroy Xavier. And then it's who can stop this man. Goldberg walks out. And I don't know what the reaction will be like for Goldberg. I think that there will be some people that are just groaning at it. But whether you like it or not, that's the match. And you've got to build it as strong as you can. And they're putting Lashley over as the unbeatable champion. And Kofi was not the focus. He was he was the person to build the champion. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if you're going to put your champion over, you put him over as strong as you can. And this was Bobby being booked to be incredibly strong. I actually felt Lashley was elevated to a different level here from where he was at least, you know, a month ago. He, to me, came across like a Brock Lesnar level threat. They announced... They they booked this as a Brock Lesnar match. Like, this was like a Brock Lesnar title defense against Ricochet or whoever Mm -hmm. else was like the the babyface to feed the Brock. Exactly. They announced to the world that this is a renewed, a meaner Bobby Lashley. Uh, He had him... They had to basically bully a fan favorite. And... You're right. We don't know what the reaction to Goldberg will be, but I do think it this match sets up at least the possibility of a more favorable Goldberg reaction because I think the idea is now that the fans want to see somebody stand up to the bully, and I guess Goldberg is the guy who stands up to the bullies. It's really sad that it took Kofi to get there because, again, Kofi is like another one of these guys who is way more... should be booked way better than, than the push that he, he, he actually has. Um... And it's it's hard for me to see another Kofi singles title reign at this point. You know, it, it feels like we're a long way from it. But I mean, the guy is so beloved. If they want to commit to it, whenever they decide to, I think the fans will take to it. However, the the most the more immediate goal is Lashley versus Goldberg as your big money match. And so I thought this was effective. Raw Women's Championship match: Rhea Ripley against Charlotte Flair. And at the beginning, there were very loud "We want Becky chants," which. They more than encouraged by Becky posting that she was there at the arena. So, I mean, that was clearly a direction that they were just throwing out there for people to want. And Mm -hmm. Charlotte responded by giving the middle finger to the crowd to the point that they cut to black um, and came back. She still had the middle finger out, I guess. Since, Since when on WWE TV are we censoring middle fingers here? I mean, that was the whole thing with 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 one of your characters. You sold well, middle finger Well, yeah, a different versions. era, though. I mean, we're not getting uh, middle fingers. Are we still saying in the PG era, though, that we had a guy say bullshit on TV and they replayed that in a video package? You're right. You're right. It's, um, you know, a finger is clearly more insulting than the actual term of bullshit. Right. You know, I thought Charlotte was really sharp here, uh, ad-libbing this the way she did. Because, number one, I think... I felt like I thought she was going to encourage the chance and instead like, well, they, they tried to start it up again, but they died quickly. And then there was a pocket in the match where they did come back. But when this match started, I thought this crowd was going to overtake this match with Becky stuff. And me too. And I didn't know if Charlotte giving them the middle finger was going to just fan the flames, but the crowd kind of just fell in line. And this was, they kind of just let them go. They would have still overtaken it if this match did not get as good as it did. That's what stopped the the, the chance. You're you right. know, when this match started, it was like Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. I have to say, are, I love this crowd. I love this Fort Worth crowd because they validated so many of the things that we've been saying for weeks. 
with without an audience and that's that this feud sucks neither of these characters are over and they were about to shit all over it by littering with we want becky chance but then the match got really good yeah, I mean, both worked super hard. I thought this was a great performance from Charlotte Flair. I mean, some of her facial reactions and just being on the cusp of winning and was about to just fall apart when she could not beat this woman. Uh, Ripley went for this cannonball, crashing on the floor. And then, uh, you know, the match is picking up. They're they're working really well. Ripley it grabbed the wrists of Flair and flipped her over into this deadlift where... You thought at first she was not going to get this woman up, and then boom, they uh, they just totally saved this this spot. Mm-hmm. It looked it looked great. It, they turned it Big into reaction. a like, good looking suplex. The crowd reacted well. Ripley blocked a natural selection and applied her like inverted figure four submission that Flair rolled out of, and a riptide gets countered. Well, pri- it's called the Prism, which they've I guess since abandoned the name. They have not called it that. I don't think once on the main roster. No. Yeah. Um, so the Riptide gets countered in midair with a DDT by Charlotte. This is our first big near fall. And that's when this match is just like really cooking at this point. Flair stops a superplex by attacking the knee and hits a natural selection off the top for another giant near fall. And Ripley then sends Flair into the corner. And it looked like Flair was supposed to crash her head on the bottom turnbuckle and came up short. And it actually, I think, worked better because she just goes to the floor and it was a realistic way of selling just a normal fall as opposed to like smashing the back of your head on this turnbuckle and then firing back and coming back. It would have been like Christian and Matt Hardy the other night. Instead, this was like a believable fall that took her to the floor, but she's not unconscious from it. And she, she was almost supposed to play possum with the follow-up spot. You know, she, yeah, like it made more sense that this was less impactful than it seemed to be designed with the turnbuckle. So Mm -hmm. she grabs Ripley's already injured knee and places it between the steps and just stomps this thing over and over, which I guess this is fair game. Uh, well, I mean, you're not picking up the stairs, you know, like she is. Okay. But she picked up the announce desk last week month and was disqualified for it she she it became a an object she was using to hit somebody this was just okay she caught her foot in there and if i happen to kick my foot into the steps to pinch her foot into the post that's her own fault all right well i think this match could have used the no dq stipulation that they obviously did not want to attach to this given the way they booked the finish last month but nevertheless she damages the knee further and then applies this beautiful looking figure eight this bridge was Goddamn insane. And Ripley is forced to tap in 16 minutes and 48 seconds. So Charlotte Flair uh, wins the Raw title for the fifth time and is now a 14-time women's champion. Oh, God. I didn't even think of that stat. Wow. Yes. 14 we are up to now. Uh, This was a great match. This was as good as their segments have been bad, which is saying a lot. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, it has. Uh, all the credit in the world to, for these two for the in-ring quality of this match. This crowd went from chanting, we want Becky to this is awesome, which is quite the feat. Um, you know, this crowd told the world at the start of this match that they didn't care about these two. They didn't care about, the, you know, the story. Uh, but by the end, they were with every near fall, every big spot. And man, it was like it to, it to me. I just like wanted to step back and feel like it was nice to have this kind of like 
dialogue between a live audience and the wrestlers in the ring too you know like we can at least talk about a live crowd's reaction to a match now so that to me is very refreshing um i thought charlotte was on a different level tonight she was really really good a very different energy from the moment she walked out you know even though she's a heel you can't really hide it on her face like she she was like had big smile and i felt like she was able to take that energy from that audience and and she really put it into i thought an elevated performance here i really like the edge that she had like given the middle finger like obviously Mm -hmm. they i guess didn't want that for whatever reason but i thought it added a lot to this woman who is like obsessed with winning and is not going to take any shit from the crowd either like i thought that added a cool edge to her character tonight i mean she also knows she's probably going to face becky next and she also wanted to just cement the fact that she is the heel in the match because that's what i thought this match was in the most danger of nobody really recognizing who to cheer for or who to boo because both of them are equally as unlikable Mm -hmm. but at least charlotte i thought you know took the lead there um i think now that rhea ripley is without the championship and out of the spotlight they really need to rethink about their understanding of her appeal to the audience this entire run she's had with the belt, they pushed her all wrong. And you see what they've done with her in NXT. It's a completely different person. It's like somebody taking, you know, like this beautiful vehicle and not knowing how to drive drive stick shift and completely fucking it up. So I hope now out of the spotlight, like they they can reassess what, what truly makes her <laughs> reassess. Like yes, you're right. <laughs> reassess. There you go. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Is that Charlotte Becky? Can we safely assume? Charlotte Becky? Yeah. I mean, if if you're looking at the idea, if they're taking the the brand affiliations seriously, then that's that's where you would expect Sasha and Becky to return. I mean, you could always do something different and and switch the two and surprise people. But I I lean towards Charlotte and Becky. That seems to be where we're going. And I would imagine you shoot that angle on on Monday night. I think to take Sasha, well, to take Sasha Belair off the table would probably upset people. And at this point, well, think- it would only be if if you strategically don't want to go to Belair and Sasha. If you want to save that, you do have that option. Like if there's a strategic reason to get her away from SmackDown, so that you can go to that match next year at WrestleMania. Because you put her on SmackDown, you have to do the rematch, and you can't you can't sit on that one. There's nobody else. And but tonight, though, it seems like the crowd kind of wants Charlotte Becky. They want Becky, I, period, I guess. I, I, I would imagine like that's that's the direction we go. And I think we'll know Monday night. Um I thought when I saw that photo today though, I didn't think there was a chance we were seeing her tonight. I oh, thought no. that was uh, that was like the giveaway that, that they are not John, showing up tonight. That is the WH spoiler. By telling you what <laughs> you might yeah. see, you're basically telling the world that you're not going to see it. So yes. you know, she should do it again. She should do it again whenever she actually does appear. Um, then we go to the, our backstage segment where Riddle was introduced to Rick Boogs. Yeah. Two people that I never had to see come into the same screen together, but here we are with King Nakamura and this segment progressed where Riddle is just Randy Orton. Like this is a best friend. He loves this man, Randy Orton and told Rick Boogs that Randy's a big fan of you. He's never actually said that, but I'm sure he is. And then Riddle, with the accompaniment of Boogs, performed Randy Orton's theme while Nakamura did like his interpretive dance, the Randy Orton dance with his interpretive Orton. 
And then they cut to Kevin Owens shaking his head. I thought this segment was very entertaining. I did too. This was like the rare comedy that just seemed to work. It was funny. And you had the added joke. Like you already had this this visual where it was like one joke building on the next with Nakamura. And then boom, you go to Owens for like the Ron Simmons spot basically in uh, non-speaking form. It was it was yeah. like a fun segment, and it, to me, it was like the best utilization when they would have the brand split. That here are some characters you're never going to see together, and we'll give you a quick, uh, like what would happen if these worlds met? Yeah, here's our goof mixed with you know the other <laughs> show's goof, and, and we have uh, no shortage of goofs yeah. on our roster. It's one of our biggest problems. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought the the humor here actually worked. I thought it, it was especially it. Uh, I guess. Uh, pleasing that like rick booth can can do a decent rendition of the randy orton theme on electric guitar um it, and the owens cutaway was i thought great yes this is when the network feed went to hell or we should say the peacock stream because i had no issues did you nope no issues here. so it seemed like this was a peacock issue and it lasted for it seemed like 10 minutes or so and it was just a disaster and mm. it looks like Right as the men's match was starting, that's when things got fixed. But this seemed like it was a nightmare for the time that it lasted. But I can't Terrible. speak to what the specific issues were. My feed was uninterrupted. It couldn't have happened ten minutes before, you know. Like you could have, you would have missed the Boogs thing. You would have missed the Applebee's ad. I would have been pissed if my feed was screwing up for this match of all of all matches. Oh, yeah. This was the most anticipated thing on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have. Drew McIntyre. Oh, oh, they did miss the Boogs thing in the Applebee's ad. Oh, I'm well, so sorry. Yeah, Gotta you go, can go back and, and uh, watch that. Hopefully they get the replay up in time. Uh, Ricochet was back in trunks, ditching the black jeans. That was, Riddle. The, that was the what was holding him back. That was time. it, yes. Uh, John Morrison, who, dude, him and Miz, they were over on this show. They so came out, over. they got a huge reception, and then Morrison told Miz, I need to do this on my own. And sent him to the back, which was hilarious because his whole story of this match was latching on to Seth Rollins to form an alliance. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, and then Kevin Owens, who came out and just... I can't imagine this guy has a voice after his entrances on SmackDown and tonight. Because he is just screaming so that every fan in the arena can hear him as he comes out. Big E, who got a big response. Uh, King Nakamura. Seth Rollins. Like, I think some of this, it's... I think, like... Not all these responses are going to stay at these levels, but Mm. there were some enormous reactions on this show, the biggest which were still to come. It was just a fantastic crowd that I think was, like, pent up from wanting to see professional wrestling for more than a year and a half. So, um, yeah, people who might not not have always had the best best reaction. Nobody was being taken for granted today. Uh, With all due respect, after all the problems I had today... When Seth Rollins and John Morrison got into their argument, um, I'm sorry, but today I was Johnny Drip Drip. Oh, yes, you were. Oh, boy. Yeah. And Seth argued, I'm the drip god. And we had these two arguing over their level of dripness. Uh, I, do you have a pick? Who's got, who's got more drip? Flair should have came out here. Really? He, he could have, yeah. We could have had um, his involvement here. Um, this should have been replayed, but there was a spot early where Ricochet launched himself 
over the top to the floor. And dude, this this dive was utterly spectacular. They should have replayed it like five times. It looked unbelievable, the height this guy got. There are a lot of spots they could have replayed. This this yeah. was a fantastic match. Um, I, I thought this was... This one, I had very high expectations for this match. Uh, they built up to a tease of Big E and Drew McIntyre of where they went at it after clearing the ring. Rollins and Morrison worked together for a time. It, it was a great way to like set Big E on a big stage, you know, by having Drew a bona fide main eventer be placed up there with Big E, giving them that spotlight and the crowd responding very favorably. They're ready to see Big E at that level. Yes. As always, in these matches with weapons, uh, Kevin Owens' role was to get destroyed by them. He's Mick Foley. Yeah, yeah he was here. He's, he's on one leg hopping and then landed a cabrata going into a ladder. And then they dropped Owens on the side of the ladder back first. That just looked a ton of fun. Riddle and Nakamura, they had like a fun little sequence while it lasted before they were both taken out with a, a double Claymore. And as Drew hits a Topicon hero, he takes out everyone, does the countdown, and hits Rollins with a Claymore when Veer and Shanky appear. They bring Drew to the floor, and Jinder Mahal hits him with a non-replica, totally legit chair over and over and over again to the point that Drew will never text the number two instead of T-O-O. And they drag Drew to the back, and God knows where they took Drew. Maybe they uh, did the Hulk Hogan bit and saddled him up to the, the new motorcycle and drove off with him attached. Oh, that would sell some toys. So this, this seems to be the SummerSlam program way. I do not think this is going to be blown off on television. This looks to be Drew's SummerSlam program. And this was... God, you're, you're right. Like you're so what? right. So yeah, wow. that was the elimination of Drew from the match. He was uh, taken out of this. So not only did you do the angle, but Jinder has taken away Drew's final chance at the championship as long as Lashley has the title then Ricochet tight roped like walked across the top rope leaped onto the ladder Riddle tipped the ladder so Ricochet landed and balanced on the top rope and dove to the floor dude this guy was out of this world from that false count anywhere match on Monday to tonight this was the best 6 day stretch Ricochet has had on the main roster there's nothing even comparable there's nothing in the galaxy that approaches these two uh performances by Ricochet he was amazing in this match this was the spot of the match this spot was so good it almost made this card forget his past 2 years of booking it was but, but what does it say that i had zero faith of him having any prayer of winning this thing no well, yeah you know the rank, right? You know, you know where he stay, where he is on the card. Um, I think it's a start, at least, John. You know, capturing the crowd's attention this way. Primarily, we hope that this caught Vince McMahon's attention. Because if it caught Vince's attention, maybe it could be the start of an actual build. I feel like coming off of tonight, they'd be they'd be idiots not to really. Well, I guess hey, they hey, not. Wait a minute, are you? Were you Prince Puma? Holy shit! All this time. You're the guy from the Will Ospreay match? <laughs> the best of the Super Juniors? That was you? Yeah. You know, like, I felt, I really feel like this entire month, like, throughout the Morrison matches, Ricochet has been reminding us who he is. Uh, and I'm happy for it, because the man has always been this talented. He just have, hasn't been given the, the, the spotlight. So uh, I hope they, 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 they play off of this momentum. 
Uh, Riddle hit an RKO to Big E, then yanked Ricochet off the ladder for an RKO in midair. Nakamura climbs, and he gets squirted in the, the eyes by the dripstick. Which and that, got, was, that was the uh, death of Nakamura. Well, okay. Well, he fell off the ladder. Listen, this dripstick, this whole drip thing is massively over, okay? This crowd proves it. They love this stuff. I think Morrison, again, has been doing a tremendous job. He and The Miz are, are both incredibly entertaining and they've got, like, I guess they weren't selling dripsticks because I guarantee you everybody would have been shooting. <laughs> it sounds so bad. They all would have been shooting it into the ring. Yeah, yes. I, I, I don't know if we're ready to be introducing dripsticks um, this th- this early into crowds being back. I don't know how how good of an idea it is, but they will sell those things. I mean, they'd be asking for it. So that's it. Nakamura is out via water. And then earlier in the show, in the match, Rollins and uh, Morrison had set up the giant ladder as a bridge between the announcer's desk and the a- apron. And they might as well have just spray painted KO over this ladder. Every person knew who was going through this thing. And sure as hell, Owens is power bombed by Rollins from the ring through this ladder, which breaks on the floor. That was the end of Kevin Owens. <laughs> Uh, the passion of the Kevin as it continues. Uh, Rollins climbs, Biggie follows and hits a big ending off the ladder. And that's when the audience is like, oh my God, that's everyone. They're all done. There's no way Kevin Owens is getting up from that ladder. There's no way Nakamura is getting back from water in the eyes. This is, this is the, this is the breakaway shot for Biggie. And he climbed up. And when he grabbed this briefcase, my God, this arena exploded. 18 minutes and four seconds for Biggie. Yeah, like I didn't even, I mean, I knew Biggie was a candidate, but for some reason he just felt so, such, like such a background character these entire several months that I didn't think that it was even, like I'd forgotten about it almost in this match. I think, that's, that, I think that's like the sweet spot of what they want. Mm-hmm. Liv Morgan, if you watch her build, it was the too obvious pick. That is yeah. the the red herring. It's the one that is, not so far down like a ricochet level, but is just has been off in the background that this win, they're instantly back at the forefront. He's in the background, but we know everybody wants it. And they've been delaying, you know, like his lack of attention. I guess we could say this entire time for the specific moment of him climbing up that ladder spotlights only on him grabbing that briefcase. It felt so good, you know, because for most people, they know. Winning this thing is as good as winning the championship. So they know this was confirmation that someday Big E is going to be champion. And they've been waiting for a long, long time to get that confirmation. This match was so good. Huge expectations from everybody going into it. And I thought they completely hit it, maybe even exceeded it. You know what? They exceeded it. Everybody was amazing in this match. I, I loved the team of Morrison and Rollins together. Uh, they were a lot of fun to watch in, in another it, period I, I would love to see those two continue that that association but man ricochet my jaw dropped when he hit that spot he comes out of this to me completely renewed john morrison i think cements himself as somebody who uh is like completely endeared to this audience and you know everybody else i thought all looked really good in, including drew mcintyre nakamura is greatly going to benefit with this new entrance with crowds like, I do think yeah. that's going to be a spark for him. Like, I, I don't think it's going to really change his 
uh, trajectory, nor do I think Nakamura needs to be any higher than he is. He's in the spot he should be, but that is going to add to his entrance. And that's a big thing for a WWE presentation that they have now. Drew came in, I would say, to this evening with a pretty mixed reaction, but I thought he was really good in this match. And there was at no point, you know, where he gave the crowd a chance to feel negatively about him. And man, I'm not looking forward to the gender match, but I don't. Well, think- how, well how about Drew going through Veer and Shanky before he gets to gender? Um, well, if they're fast, then maybe, but you know, there's no chance at least like there's no doubt who the crowd will be favoring in that one. I feel. Yeah. This was an excellent match. Excellent. Excellent ladder match. Um, they, they did a great job and they had high expectations going into it. Seth I'm Rollins. So glad, like they saved this for the audio for the crowd, you know, cause we know they moved this pay-per-view like back a month or, or, or however long to wait for the wait for the live audience and man if this match took place with nobody there to appreciate it to accentuate it yeah it would have been so sad it would have um you know watching slammiversary last night like i like granted they they had fans there but it was like a very small number that we're talking about and you know i'm watching kenny omega and sammy callahan and i know that this it's a it's was like your violent hardcore match but with a lot of creative elements to it it was a very well-worked match that with a giant audience, they would have been going nuts for stuff. But I find watching ladder matches, hardcore matches where it's either zero crowd or a very subdued crowd. I think it's a negative to, to the match. I think it's really hard when you're watching these spectacular things and more so dangerous things. And you're not getting at least the trade-off of you're doing this for the big reaction. And I, I, I hit that immediately with the amount of ladder matches we saw, especially early in the pandemic in WWE. Yeah, yeah. Everything's, you know, very different without the audience, and that's not more apparent than the wrestling we've seen over the past week. So Rollins is just uh, completely devastated after the match in the back. Kevin Patrick notes he gave a valiant effort. Rollins is pissed off. It was my destiny. I should have been in the championship match, but Edge stole it from me. This guy better not be following the uh, the matchmaking for Conor McGregor's comeback. It's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of lightweights having this same scene in the back, and he says he needs a new plan, and that whoever wins the universal title tonight, I'm next in line. He proclaims. Like what was which Big E should have walked up from behind and said, mm, "Not how it works." <laughs> I suppose we. I mean, it does kind of work in wrestling. You know, you show up at the end, you attack the guy, and you're suddenly next. Why kill yourself in this 18-minute ladder match when you can just say, hey, I'm next? Yeah. Final match of the night for the Universal title, Roman Reigns and Edge. Uh, Edge gets another monster pop coming out. And, uh, you know, right, I would say right below what he got on Friday. Friday was an enormous reaction that he got. Like, he has gotten some like gigantic reactions in these uh, two nights back. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this, these guys were following that ladder match. So you take that into consideration. They had to do something totally different and they totally did a different match. It was different. Yeah. So it starts off and it's very slow by design. Like edge is working on the arm, but then after reigns, like takes a powder on the floor, he, he takes over control after Paul Heyman asks, what would your father do? What would Sika do? And Roman thought, 
you know what? Sika would probably go 30 minutes. And <laughs> Reigns took over this match and he just beat the hell out of Edge. He put this headlock on Edge and he's just yelling to the crowd, I'll keep this on all night long. I'm 265 pounds. No one can do anything. And, you know, this was a very ballsy match to execute for this crowd where you are banking that this crowd is going to live through edge to overcome this adversity so that for 15 minutes, we're going to be, for lack of a better term, depositing money so that we can withdraw for the final 10 minutes. And hopefully the crowd is there for it. And he beats him down with a Superman punch, a drive-by, and then Edge would just get these little moments like a backslide or the execution. And then finally, he gets Reigns upside down for a tree of woe and then goes for the crossface and Edge makes it, or Reigns makes it to the rope. Edge tried for a spear and gets caught in the guillotine and he just fought and fought until they crashed to the floor and Edge broke free, which is, um, you know, for... In Pride, this would have been a hell of an escape that I did not see too many people ever ever fight when caught in a guillotine. I mean, physics works a little differently in pro wrestling. So while on the floor, Reigns goes for a spear and crashes through the barricade, and then Edge speared him through the barricade. And this is when Edge is going into comeback mode, and Reigns tries for a Superman punch. He hits Edge and knocks into Charles Robinson. It was not the best-looking Superman punch that we have seen, and uh, this also separated Charles Robinson from consciousness by being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, yeah. Sorry, was that a reference? Uh, no, no, I was just stating a fact that uh, he was he was knocked out from this. So Reigns then breaks off the piece of the chair that Edge has been using, and he tries for the crossface, Edge stops him with headbutts, and it's Edge who uses the metal piece with the crossface in the mouth of Reigns. So this is like 25 plus minutes in, and the Usos come down, and they get taken out by Ray and Dominic Mysterio. And they've got the crowd at this point. Like, they are pretty into this. Seth Rollins appears and super kicks Edge. The ref is still out from all of this. Reigns goes for the spear, but Edge hits his spear first. So another referee runs in, and this was a massive near fall. This audience bought that Edge was going to pin Roman Reigns. And then Rollins returns on the apron. Edge drops him with a boot, turns around, and gets speared. And Reigns pins him in 33 minutes and 10 seconds to retain the Universal Championship. I have seen criticism of the match length. Um... I'll say though, like I, I enjoyed this main event. Uh, you, I think they kind of telegraphed Seth Rollins getting involved, and I can see that being a bit of a downer. But this was building that match for SummerSlam. You had to incorporate him in some way, and you needed to. The, Otherwise, like to, Rollins like coming out would have made no it sense. And they paid it off. Like that mm -hmm. sets up a big match for SummerSlam. Rather than Reigns beating this guy clean, and then he goes in as this diminished babyface, cold for the Seth Rollins program. Well, you're giving Edge no reason to be angry. No. You know, he lost exactly. the match anyway. Like that. Yeah. That was part of it. And listen, at the end of this, dude, they banked on Edge sell, 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 sell. And when he made his comeback, the crowd was with him, and they went nuts for that near fall. So this this worked for the crowd. And I did not find the 33 minutes to be agonizing. And I had every reason today to be 
complaining about a show going too long. I did not find this match to go too long. I thought the last three matches were really, really strong um, to end the show. I thought it was a really well-worked, slow-paced match. Um, they kept that crowd the entire way, which I think is a real testament to their ability and to the story that I think they've been telling. This crowd treated this like it was the main event. I think even the slow entrances and just the pageantry attached to this, even coming off of that Money in the Bank, this felt like it was a big match with a whole lot of interest. And I think with a lot of the audience actually giving Edge a great chance at winning this thing there's a big so, buzz when like the match began like this was mm-hmm. like it felt like your big championship match and i think there's certainly something to be said about a traditional one-on-one singles match for the title where it's a credible challenger going for the long-term champion mm-hmm. that adds like when the when the challenger has that credibility with the with the audience like it, it does have that that specialness to it and i think that they achieved that when the star power is there, when the story is there, and it was for this. For me personally, though, it made me sleepy. Like, the first 15 minutes of this match definitely made me sleepy. And unfortunately, I never, my energy never fully recovered by the end. I could appreciate the quality of work there and certainly listening to the crowd. My reaction doesn't matter as much as theirs. This totally worked for them, and therefore, it, this match was totally successful. It was successful in adding a ton of interest in Rollins versus Edge. For me personally, though, I was tired by this match. Um, And so that might have affected my enjoyment of it. But, you know, uh, it's understandable. 33 is tough. Like, that's that's ambitious when you're going at the end of the night going that amount of time. But it was not the deterrent to me that it might have been for others. Yeah. And, and, you know, I I, I can't really say I should be surprised by it because this is the Roman Reigns style that he's been working in this main event. Uh, and again, it totally worked in front of this audience. So good on them. So let's get into the post-match. Reigns and Rollins are face-to-face uh, before Edge goes after Rollins. So you kind of had that tease there with Reigns and Rollins of what their alliance or lack thereof will be after this show. So Edge attacks Rollins on the floor and they brawl into the crowd. Reigns and Heyman are left and Reigns says that the whole world can now acknowledge him. And with that, John Cena's music hits, and this arena, all in unison, said, the Taiwan thing is over and done with, John. We're not holding it against you. Dude, this was among the biggest pops I have heard on a WWE show in years. This blew away the edge pop on Friday by a significant portion. This was unbelievably loud. I mean, it was it was a very significant surprise return. I mean, the most significant since Edges, I feel, at the Rumble. Um, they kept this under wraps. I mean, everybody... This was like I guess, Punk at Money in the Bank 10 years ago. Yeah. It was, you know, everybody knew the rumors, but I, I don't know if there was any... Um, this, this was the ultimate, the ultimate argument that spoilers don't matter if it's something you want. <laughs> I think everyone knew. Uh, you knew what you're getting. Did this get leak anywhere that he was like backstage or anything? Uh, th- there was some there was some word out there about oh, okay. the potential of him showing up. Well, I missed it. Uh, but in either case, yeah, like this crowd was reacting to this guy, not necessarily just as a wrestler, but now as a bona fide Hollywood movie star coming off of F9. I mean, despite what <laughs> what people think about F9, he was one of the leads. He's coming off of a very well-reviewed 
Suicide Squad with James Gunn right now. So um, he's coming in with an elevated star star power level. And finally, to be able to see Roman Reigns versus John Cena in the ring together, at a, and a Roman Reigns that everybody seems to love hating right now, and a John Cena that everybody seems to love right now, this is, outside of The Rock versus Roman Reigns, probably the biggest match that they could make. Yeah. I mean, the, he came out... Um, it was the WrestleVotes account that had noted this uh, earlier in the day. So it, w- it was circulating a little. But man, this they didn't even have John talk, which I think was smart. You didn't need him to talk. He just came didn't in. Um, crowd was going insane. Gave the you can't see me. Show went off the air. You know what your SummerSlam main event is. This was a great end to a really, I would say, a pretty strong show. from the Strong show. Time. Very strong to- show. Good to great and, and matches. And peaked with like the last three matches. Like I would say, mm-hmm. I, like I would not put, I, I know I I don't know if I'm in the minority or not, but I, I enjoyed the main event. I would not put it ahead of like the latter match to me was front and center, the the match of the show. Um, with a uh, honorable mention to Charlotte and, and Ripley. Like they were right there with it. Judging by that crowd reaction, I definitely wouldn't say that you're in a minority. Uh, but good to great matches incredible atmosphere yep. i thought you you had significant events and you know even on the kickoff with the significant title change and you know of course the two briefcase wins two people now being firmly put in the spotlight in the case of big e like it really feels like that one is it is very serious and a big newsworthy return to close the show so you really can't ask for much more than that for a pay-per-view other yeah. than i guess a working network but um yeah well you know <laughs> that's an unfortunate aspect can you imagine if the network went down at the final 10 minutes it would be like Slammiversary, you know. That was intentional, though, wasn't it? The the fin, fin juice deal? I believe so, yeah. Like, so they decided to deliberately cut away, like, as as Ju- uh, Juice or, or David Finley ran out? I anyway, saw the, the update from uh, The Observer today that it noted, like, that was the plan. So I think that was just a way to, you know, do something that you can show on TV right right afterwards, like, what happened right off the air because they're they're going to do the jay white david finley match in a couple of weeks at the imagine if they the did LA that show. tonight could you imagine if they did that did that tonight roman yeah, go off the air with roman and Heyman. you will acknowledge me copyright 2021 the first note i'm seen as horns uh so that was that was the show and i would imagine by uh this time tomorrow night when we're talking to you after raw I would think we know at least um, a good portion of, like, your top SummerSlam matches. Like, I would shoot your big angles tomorrow. Like, if it's Becky, Goldberg, like, I think all that stuff should be established tomorrow night. It's You're going to have a big audience on Raw, hopefully. It's also the one week where you're not going against the Olympics. So put all your eggs into this basket on Monday night coming off this pay-per-view. That's probably going to have a ton of buzz attached to it. It's your first Raw with crowds. Do your big angles with hopefully your most amount of people that you're going to have in the lead up to SummerSlam. So many events, so many big, uh, you know, at least a, a John Cena return coming off of this show. You would expect tomorrow's Raw to do really well. Uh, you would you would expect. So uh, I totally agree. I think tomorrow is where you load it up with announcements to get people excited for this SummerSlam, which is really shaping up to be their WrestleMania for the year. They're totally building this as a WrestleMania. So there you go. That was our thoughts on Money in the Bank and. We're now going to send it over to you with your feedback. Yeah, we want to actually take some phone calls here. Everybody in the Zoom room, raise your hands up and we'll try to get as many as we can before uh, we send John Pollock out of here because obviously he has plenty to 
to get to today. So let's start off here with Kate from Montreal. Kate making a rare appearance on one of our uh, pay-per-view post shows. What's going on, Kate? Hey, nice to uh, nice to talk to you in person. Um, yeah. I actually I just left a written comment because I wasn't sure if I, I wasn't sure if I'd call in. I don't want to get in the way of anyone, but great to hear you. Um, I absolutely agree about uh, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte delivering a very, very solid match. I thought that they were terrific. And I thought to get a crowd to turn around the way that it did, because they were really disinterested at the beginning. And with the feud that as it had been built up, I can't blame them for that. But to get them to turn and get so behind that, that's a real feat. And it doesn't happen very often. I loved the the men's ladder match. Um, kind of pleasantly surprised uh, in, that uh, Miz and Morrison, because they've been working really hard, but they are really over. Like other than, I think, uh, in terms of the the people who were most over in the match, I thought Kevin Owens got the biggest pop coming out, but like Morrison was second, and that was I think that. Uh, that sort of surprised me. And is it not a credit to act to this crowd? Like that was evident on the kickoff and it was certainly the case for the entrance at the, at the end. And and what a credit to the Miz that like in a wheelchair, he is able Mm -hmm. to increase his stock the way he has. So yeah, absolutely. Like when they appeared on the pre-show, the crowd was going pretty, uh, pretty crazy for them. Um, I was very happy because SmackDown, it was really grating on my nerves how much they were sweetening the noise or muting uh, some of the crowd sounds or layering Did you feel that in. Way? Oh, God, yes. Oh, my God. How could you yeah. tell? Um, in general, like I'll, I'll use as an example on SmackDown, the EST chant. When you listen, it got picked up by the crowd, but when you listen to it at first, uh, if the chants sound too even, if they same every time then they're always piped in um they and because natural crowds are a little out of sync and the 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 chant is never going to sound exactly the 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 same so yeah there was definitely there were definitely piped in chants and there were definitely times when they were sort of playing with the volume of the crowd um it was i'm curious to hear from a live report if there's anybody who who has actually been to some of these crowds whether or not the tv version matches because it's it's certainly hard for me to tell i guess at this point yeah i mean that's like this is this is what i was hearing it was a lot less tonight like there were a lot there was a lot more opportunity to see who was organically over rather than you know just the the emphasis be like being shifted a little to fit with the narratives that they wanted to establish. So, and again, that's how you end up with Miz and Morrison getting big cheers or Naomi getting a huge crowd, like a a very big crowd reaction, because I think that that's someone who hasn't figured largely into the plans, but she is really well liked, like Mm -hmm. to the point she was uh, like, she was trending on Twitter um, uh, afterwards, Mm -hmm. along with get a DUI. Um, which is maybe not something they want to be proud of, but no, I, I just, I could not with the main event. I, I, I was really struggling to keep up with it. And it sort of seemed almost at the end, like the crowd was just so happy to see anything happen that, yeah, they got really hyped really quickly, but definitely by the end of it, I thought that, you know, they were into it and we are obviously on the way to, uh, uh, to a big summer slam. summer slam yeah no it's a it's mm-hmm. a lot of big names i'm i'm kind of surprised that they can get cena because that could be tricky when 
the, when um, movies and insurance are involved. Mm, um, that's that's part of the big reason for the reaction. I mean, you know, like guys like him and The Rock are not easy to get to return right now. So this, yeah. this crowd, I thought I thought showed their appreciation. Oh um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, thank you, Kate. We have a lot of phone calls. Thank you, so thank you, thank you so up. much. Anyway, I shall uh, I shall let you guys go. Thanks. Thank you, Kate. Much Take care. We should also add that uh, WWE has announced uh, that Cena will be on Raw tomorrow night as well. All right. So Let's go to Nick. SmackDown. Let's go to Nick up next. Nick, you're on the air. What's up? Wabadoo! What's going on, guys? <laughs> How are you? That, is that what he says? And Is that what the is that, that's sample, my sample representation is? Of the, the, yeah, that's my, that's my version of the John Cena. The MOP sample. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I thought this was an incredible show just for the crowd reactions alone i think um i was just thinking on your point about ricochet i thought you guys are absolutely right this totally i think for me made me completely forget about the past you know since 2019 since he moved up and did that series of matches with styles that was kind of the beginning of me thinking oh this is not going to be the greatest of runs for ricochet because they weren't really letting him do you know, the Ricochet that we had seen in NXT and other places, this to me firmly felt like, okay, Ricochet has been unleashed on, you know, the main roster WWE scene. And one can only hope that, you know, he's put himself into a position to elevate himself to a Cesaro level or even, you know, something like a mid-card title scene again. The You know, the Cesaro is a great comparison because I think the promo is where that, I mean, that is still sort of an untested stumbling block. And um, I feel like we've seen Cesaro reach a ceiling for that very reason. And is it that, is it going to be the same with Ricochet? We'll see. Yeah. And then one last question before I go, I'll get out of here. But my that reaction from Cena was so deafening that I had to turn down my soundbar because it was so loud. And it just made me think, and I understand that Kate brought this up, and she's absolutely right when it's it's hard to get this guy to do things. But what if he wins at SummerSlam and he brings the Universal title to these press junkets and it becomes like sort of a Brock deal? I don't think like it happens. Traveling the globe with no. the Universal Championship. I, I actually think that that argument is like one of the most overstated ideas that people throw out about, oh, he can take the title to all these different places. Like that was the thinking of putting this 24 seven belt on these different celebrities and stuff. That's I really don't think it, it matters a whole lot. Um, but I, I think they, they want you to have like a convincing story that is going to have seen not just coming in as the challenger of the month um, that they want to, you know, have some solid uh, logic that Cena could actually win this thing. But uh, yeah, I think that, that's, that's the difficult part with, with Roman. Like you're booking I, this super long-term champion. I also think you're like, um, I also think you're you're talking about a John Cena who's probably at, at at a point where he's dealing with people who want to try to shed that wrestler image from him. Not to mm. say that it's it's detri- it's a detriment to the level where it might have been in the past. Not at all. But um, I also can't see his agent being happy with him carrying a championship belt on an appearance on the Tonight Show, for instance, or doing a junket for like you know Suicide Squad or something like that. Uh, as much as maybe we yeah. might find it amusing. I mean, I think I, I agree with you guys, and I think I agree with John especially. I just it did cross my mind for just a second, and I think that's what's so fascinating and amazing about that comeback, and you know the level of comeback that it was. But anyways, thank you guys. I appreciate you, and I'll let you move on. Others, thanks, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Jake from the Windy City, you're up next. Jake, hey what's guys, going I just get to talk to you uh, this uh, beautiful Sunday night. Uh, finally made it here, so it's all good. 
Uh, yeah, I thought it was an exceptional show tonight. Uh, even though I, I did think the pacing of the show was pretty long, to be honest with you, I wish they could have ended at at least at the deadline at 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, uh, but other than that, like I really felt satisfied with with, uh, with what happened, and especially with that exceptional main event. Uh, both guys worked hard, and yeah, really looking forward to um, uh, what's going to go ahead with with Edge and Seth Rollins because they really. I think both those guys are really going to uh, go forward and what's going to uh, happen and uh, what they're going to sh- uh, showcase forward uh, for SummerSlam. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's really good. Uh, th- other than that, they got a lot right in that pay-per-view. Um, I-, I-, I wish like, you know, Ripley, uh, I-, I wish Rhea Ripley uh, could have uh, could have gone over in that match because, you know, Triple H has said before that, uh, you know, just stay tuned, just, uh, just, uh, just stay tuned uh, with uh, what's going on. It's going to progress forward. And, you know, she keeps losing against Charlotte's. But uh, other than that, you know, I, I felt uh, it felt so great to hearing that reaction with Biggie. So it, it really it's it's uh, it's really great to uh, get to see him um, having that having that uh, amazing moment and uh, retrieving that briefcase. So, yeah, really, uh, just really an awesome show tonight. And and great to have. Obviously, we all said uh, the crowd was just uh, was just magical tonight. So, yeah, it's it's like, um, yeah, so. Nothing else much to say, but uh, I don't know if you guys mentioned it, but uh, who do you think uh, Big E might uh, uh, might challenge uh, to cash in? I think it should oh. be a long-term uh, holdover at some oh, point. Rock. I mean, it, it, it oh, yeah. kind of makes more sense right now that it be Lashley and not, not so much on the SmackDown side. Oh, you're right. Yeah, but uh, to get revenge for Kofi, that would be really interesting, actually. Yeah, that's what I've been saying too. So just just to keep forward uh, with uh, with them, and yeah, uh, with wow. the new, with all the new days uh, passing the his, uh, history in the past. So that'll be very interesting. Yeah. So thanks yeah. so much, guys. Uh, just gonna get my forward, and then you have other calls, so I'll just let you go forward with that. Thanks a lot, appreciate, Jake. Thank- appreciate you being mindful, Jake. Let's go uh, to Jordan. Jordan, are you there? Hey guys, how are you? Hey Jordan, what's up? Uh, I'm kind of in the mixed bag right now with Money in the Bank, and I'll tell you why. Um, It's a two seconds after that Cena return, I kind of had a thought, and I kind of came down to earth, and really within the past year alone, thought, have they made? Has WWE made any starts? For their heel champions. Babyface stars, you mean? Yes. Right. I mean, listen, you can look at all these top matches that were lining out for SummerSlam, and it's a very strong argument that they have not, that they are, that there are the stars that the, that they see as the top stars. And that is what this show is largely going to be built around. Like you have uh, Roman Reigns is has significantly been enhanced over this last year, but he was already at a pretty premium level already uh, taking on John Cena, Bobby Lashley, who they have greatly improved. But again, you're talking about a guy that is 44 years old in the, in that role, uh, even though this is a fresh champion on top in Lashley against Bill Goldberg. I mean, Edge and Seth Rollins, it should be a great match, but it's it's hardly the elevation of either side. And then you're looking at, the potential of Charlotte and Becky or some incarnation in, in that combination as well. But it's, you know, there is a definite depth problem when it comes to elevating new stars and, and who has been 
um, brought up over, over the past year. And that is something they continue to, to struggle at. Like we're looking at Big E as this potential breakout star that could be elevated, but you're also talking about somebody that is 35 years old that has been on main roster television since 2012. So it's, it has been a struggle for a long time. And I think this, this card at SummerSlam, it does indicate that. All right. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. I, you know, we kind of run into this problem every WrestleMania, don't we? You know, having to kind of go back to the wall for like your part-timers to try to fill out a card. That said, though, I mean, for this particular SummerSlam that's coming up at the end of a pandemic, I don't blame them one bit for trying to cram the biggest names that are available to make the biggest show that they can. And when you look at this card right now, what is it? What do we have? Like Cena and Reigns. Okay. Goldberg and Lashley. I'm not even like I haven't even gotten to Edge versus Seth Rollins yet. Um, it seems like the return of Becky Lynch is possibly possibly Sasha Banks versus B- uh, Bianca Belair. I thought I, I think we can we can make a case for an Bian- Bianca. For that. They have done. I, I'm going to say they've done a good job with her. I think they did a great job the night of WrestleMania, and since then, mm-hmm. like it's it's been a good job. But I'm not going to say a great job. Um, yeah. yeah, but but she she has made herself into a star. She yeah. is like, you know, th- this year it's it's been a very, you know, strong effort behind Bianca Belair. But when you look at SummerSlam, the question is, what are your top matches for the September pay-per-view? We'll see. Well, yeah, I mean, that's another question, isn't it? I'm sure they'll do some rematches if they can, but you're right. Like some, they'll have to get some of these people to stick around. I mean, the hope is that the you get enough casual people to watch the show at SummerSlam and they come out of it maybe in a couple of years expecting looking at a Seth Rollins as that kind of legendary star looking at Roman Reigns as that legendary star so that they can come back and work with the next generation. Um, we didn't even mention Jinder versus Drew, maybe the biggest one of all. Of course. Yes. All right. We go up next to Hanzi. Hanzi, you're on the air. Thank you for waiting. What's going on? What's going on guys. Um, I got to say that yeah, this was one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year, man, from WWE at least, you know what I mean? I thought so top to bottom, even though I didn't really, I thought because the way they built the women's mat, the women's money in the bank match, even though they all worked hard. And I thought, I thought Naomi or Liv should have won. I'm not really looking forward to Nikki Cross right now. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I'll, I'll come on your show and I'll admit it if I'm wrong, whatever, if it hits off. But I thought everything else was solid. I liked the tag team match. Uh, I think this is one of the best men's money in the bank matches I've seen. I thought everyone, like, I, I'm trying to find out who's an MVP of this match. And I, I think literally everybody shined. Everybody had their time. That 30 seconds that Nakamura and Riddle had interaction, I thought was amazing. I need to see a, a singles feud with that, with those guys. I thought Seth, Seth Rollins and Morrison were um, were hilarious together. Um, I, I, I like Biggie winning it. Um, as far as the main event, I really, I get Roman Reigns, man. Like, you know, big match feel. I like that he, um with, with with the whole with them coming back in and coming back with the fans, whatever I thought, like it helped with Roman Reigns over the year because he he because again, if this would have happened with the fans coming back, him turning heel, they would have cheered him and it probably would have made it harder. But now, like people are still booing him, kind of, and he's talking a lot of crap about it. Um, I, overall, I thought it was a solid show. I'll, I'll leave you guys with this. Um, because John Cena's coming back to Raw, right? I honestly like I, I get they're gonna do Reigns. But like, if they didn't have Goldberg, I would have actually preferred if like Biggie went for Reigns or John Cena and Lashley. I think it's if Lashley beats Cena, I understand why they're going with Reigns and Cena. 
But if Lashley beats Cena, I think it will solidify him more than it would with Goldberg. I understand why they're doing it, though. But him coming to the Raw next week, I, maybe they'll have an, a run tomorrow. Maybe he'll have an interaction. But do you guys think the story, because, again, they need a good story other than John Cena coming back. You guys realize that uh, he is 16-time champion, so he needs to break the record for, you know what I mean? So that right there mm-hmm. is a story that you can tell that John Cena is coming back to break the record for winning a world title. So it kind of, it adds an element to uh, him like coming back rather than, well, I'm just coming back here to lose to Roman Reigns essentially. And uh, I'll leave you guys with that, but you guys did a great job, man. Uh, and Paul, like I hope everything works out for you, man. I, 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 I feel, I feel for you right now. So uh, oh, I'll leave you guys. It's all good. In the grand scheme of things, everyone, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Take it easy guys. Thank you, Hansi. Thank you, Hansi. I think you bring up a great point, Hansi. You know, last time Cena was challenging for a championship, I don't think they really hit that point hard enough. At the, from this point forward, anytime Cena is in a championship match, I mean, that should be his... He'll have motivation for as long as he never wins that belt. He should come out and cut the promo that this might be my last championship match ever. This might be my last chance. And I, my last chance to to match the Flair record, right? You know, and that to me is like the only reason for him to come to leave his wonderful hollywood life to come back and possibly you know take a beating from roman reigns um and and risk his hollywood career he should probably mention that he's gonna get uh, man james gunn is gonna be pissed off at this guy he's not gonna be flair is gonna interrupt and come out and say hey this 16 number has been bullshit for a long time. I actually wanted a whole lot more, but this company refuses to go past 16. Uh, but for <laughs> promotional purposes, it's 16 for the next month, John. Well, we know he's a man who, um, you know, is known for saying controversial things. So um, I wouldn't be too, so surprised if that came out of his mouth. But yeah, and Cena is going to start the show on Monday. So they're looking for a big audience right off the right off the bat with with Cena on Monday. All right. Uh, last call of the night goes to New Jersey. Are you there? Hey, what's going on? How are you? Hi, Brandon. Hey, hey, John. Um, sorry about uh, asking uh, Benno for you to do a Lennox Lewis impression yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah, I, we I, were on. Uh, yeah, we were on. Uh, congratulations to Martin Bushby and yeah. Benno who finished their twelve-hour live stream on Saturday. Um, Way was gracious enough to come on for thirty minutes. Uh, I did sixty. And uh, they lasted the whole 12 hours and went above and beyond their goal. Uh, tremendous achievement by the two. 141% of their uh, uh, goal of 1,000 pounds. They're currently sitting at 1,414. And I say currently because it is still open. We can get this thing up to 150%. Uh, go to justgiving.com slash fundraising slash BWE live stream. I'm sure if you follow uh, Martin Bushby's Twitter at M is it M Bushby or Bushby O one? It's one of the two. Anyway, everybody, way too late. I don't know Twitter <laughs> handles. Late. But yeah, uh, it's still open, and and yeah, congratulations to those two. Twelve hours. I don't. I have you ever done? No, and I don't think I could. How about you, Brandon? Uh, yeah, I've done it before, actually. <laughs> really. Uh, Yes, the Sheridog Radio Network did a 24-hour thing, and I, I participated in that. Wow. <laughs> Man, I, I would imagine you, like, at 12 minutes, it would be, uh, like, we, we had goodbye. Fun Luke, we had fun with Luke Thomas that night. <laughs> anyway, um, the, 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 Sounds the, Cena awesome. thing, the, Cena, the Cena thing was, was 
incredible. Uh, so much so that I bought the Earn the Day uh, <laughs> kit that I, I hope it comes in this week so I can watch I, I picture you waking up in the morning, looking into the mirror and say, Brandon, today, let's earn the day. <laughs> what? What is this? That's his new tagline on the, the Cena merch. Oh, earn the day? Is that his, Earn that's the his day, way. Earn <laughs> oh, okay. the day. Wow, all right. I hope it. I hope it comes in this week because I'm going to the GCW show in in Atlantic City, so I want to I want to rock a pair of jorts with with this gear. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah wow. so, so I hope it comes in this week. I doubt it, but uh, uh, yeah. I thought the I thought it was great. Uh, main event was an old school style match that I dug. Uh, a lot of collar elbow tie ups and whatnot. Uh, I don't. It's not for everybody, but I don't know. I growing up in that style with uh, NWA and and whatnot. I I. I that type of stuff and uh i thought uh rhea ripley was awesome too uh and charlotte uh i had low expectations but those those ladies work worked their butts off and the ladder match was awesome uh question uh i don't know what people people think about cena he said he was coming back and i i thought he wasn't because he's got a a film coming up at the same time as uh SummerSlam argyle with, i don't uh, think it's with- going to collide i think that that was not going to be you know a deal breaker okay but uh yeah, I mean, it, it's they want to sell out Alliance Stadium. I mean, uh, that's a pretty big venue, and uh, I think the SummerSlam is going to be a. Uh, it's a dope. It looks like a dope card, and uh, I, I'm with you. I worry about you know what happens in September after, after SummerSlam. Like, what do you got after that to to build on for for, what your young stars and whatnot? Uh, that's that's my concern. But uh, overall, I think it's uh, tremendous. I'm excited and whatnot. So uh, that's all I got. It's tomorrow's problem, I guess. You know, that's right. Kick the kick the can down the road. Tomorrow's yes. problem, today's profit. I love, all right, I love you guys. Good Thank night. you, Brandon. Thank you. Yeah, Brandon. I am. I, you know, it's come up many times tonight, but I'm I'm very interested in the follow up with Rhea Ripley because I would have told you this morning, like Rhea Ripley losing this title, that's probably going to be that's going to be tough for this this full transition to the main roster to have this title reign end. But after the match she had tonight, I don't look at it as kind of like uh, a negative coming out of this match. I'm more so interested in the reassessment and where she figures in and do they, I mean, wherever they go with this raw championship match, like is, is she inserted somehow? Like I, I don't want to see her just discarded into kind of the the middle of the pack on Raw, and she's forgotten about. So the follow-up's important with Rhea Ripley. I agree. I think after tonight, you know, her performance was very strong, and I think it's enough to, like, color the story in history to tell the audience that, hey, these people overcame a terrible push. It is not the fault of the performer, but the fault of whatever material that they're given, Uh, even though that might not necessarily be the case, because I don't know if Rhea Ripley's delivery has ever been that strong on Raw. Nonetheless, I think everybody sees the talent that's within her. She's so incredibly young. Um, it's going to take a level of reinvention, like we see with you know Becky Lynch, prior, before like she's able to kind of like be her her own superstar under Vince's eyes. So uh, I just hope they get it right this time. Uh, do you have some time, John, to go through some feedback? Yeah, on let's the let's go through quickly. Yep. Okay. Uh, what did you guys vote out of ten for this show? Uh, Seven point six eight. For tonight's Money in the Bank show. We start off. Disagree. Disagree for me. It's at least an A+. It's a very good show tonight. Very, very enjoyable show. 
Brian from New Jersey writes, on the strength of the last three matches that sh- and the show-closing surprise, I thought this was a good show overall. Ripley and Flair really picked up and became Ripley's best match of her main roster run. Men's Money in the Bank match had some amazing moments and some really painful-looking moments culminating with that powerbomb to Owens. So happy that Big E won. Strong main event that built up two SummerSlam matches by the end of it. John Cena is 44 and still dressing like this. I remember the man will, be, will be 87 and will still wear the shorts. Yes, he can't change. I remember a quote regarding the WWE Network moving to Peacock in the U.S. about WWE focusing on content creation and leaving the technology to someone else. Well, that technology had diarrhea by the start of the semi-main, but unfortunately it was, or fortunately it was smooth sailing after I exited the Peacock app, restarted it, and continued watching the show. When in doubt, just turn it off and turn it back on. We got a Dan who says, Money in the Bank was a bit of a mixed bag for me. I was more into the novelty stuff than the actual action on the card. Give me more silly pre-enhanced videos that feel like they were plucked from the Sega Saturn game. Please. Pre-entrance videos. Okay. Also, Baron Corbin, (laughs) he's referring to the (laughs) Mysterio thing. (laughs) Being a Sega Saturn Maybe, Maybe these, like I I was not following Twitter or anything tonight, so maybe people hated that. I I liked it. I thought it was kind of cool. Watching Dominic like look nervous before going into the portal is all I want out of of an entrance. I liked it. Also, Baron Corbin being in such poor financial shape that he has to eat at Applebee's while hiding from embarrassing work friends is some inspired cross-promotion. Oh, uh, yes. Did, uh, did you watch the ad? What did you think of the ad? Uh, I saw the ad. Um, to me, it was um, it was WWE and Applebee's coming together to in, remind me why I've never ate at Applebee's in my life. <laughs> That's a very accurate fair review there was lots of good wrestling but you can watch good wrestling on or better wrestling any day of the week the latter half of flair flair ripley and the men's ladder match were cut above so credit where credit is due there's just a vibe wwe gives off like it's a traveling stunt show with a mildly kooky cast of characters that has marks and talking points to it to hit as opposed to being in a combat sport or action movie it's not the worst thing in the world it just takes some of the urgency and character-based emotion out of the package for me as a viewer all right, we go to Will from Toronto. I don't recall a ladder match ever ending in such boring fashion as Nikki winning tonight. Was hoping it would be Naomi and she joined the bloodline, but it is what it is. Big E winning means he can go fight Mashley since booking only seems to allow him to fight Drew or a New Day member. But I, at least like you could get some merchandise for Mashley, like with the old Mash logo. Ooh, yeah. all right, nice. It was great seeing Ricochet pull off some fun spots. I enjoyed the match. Edge and Roman was what I expected, and I'm surprised Seth came in twice to interfere over the one and done. He gives the show a 7 out of 10. Glad Corbin can afford to join the crew at Applebee's. Muggin has some thoughts. He says Bobby Lashley versus Kingston was an overly long episode of When Animals Attack. I can't seem to care about yet another Charlotte Tuttle reign. That notwithstanding, her and Rhea worked hard to bring the crowd back in. The men's money in the bank lived up to my expectations, lofty expectations. Everybody shined, and they got this one right by giving it to Big E. I'm so, so happy for him. And we close with Jermaine from Chicago. It was a decent show. Very cool to see Big E win money in the bank. Does this mean he goes after Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam? Why are the tag team champions in a money in the bank match? This is bad booking. You have a ton of women signed to the company and you could use them instead like a Tony Storm and a Reckoning and a Hotch and Hotshot one of them. Lastly, Roman matches shouldn't go on last. I'm sorry. He doesn't wrestle at the level of someone who gets as much TV time or someone who main events every big show. The fans were on their hands most of the match and chanting, you can't wrestle. 
Uh, I missed all of that. For, 50, for, for the first 15 minutes, they were chanting, you can't wrestle. Not all of them, but at least a portion. Yeah. Uh, but, this I mean, isn't they, going to... Sorry. Yeah. This isn't going to grow WWE or make the company hot. Go find a generational talent, WWE. I beg of you, seven years isn't long enough to know. Have a great night. Thanks. So Jermaine okay, so maybe not come around on Roman. So maybe it's a it's a it is a, a earned seven point six eight from the forum. Uh, well, you know we see if the build to SummerSlam might swing some laps fans back into the fold. Um, at least added some added star power. We can say yeah. for tomorrow they'll do a very good number t- tomorrow night. I think they they have no competition. They have a big show that they're coming off of. They are going to plug John Cena very hard for tomorrow night. You've got the start for SummerSlam. I think that most people are expecting Goldberg on the show, that it's it should be a big Raw on on Monday night. And let's not forget the return of crowds, you know, to, to Raw at least, and really to any of these shows. I think that'll add a huge element of um, of interest, at least for me. You know, I... Yeah, anyway. So there you go. That is going to wrap up the show. And thank you to everybody for joining. All of your calls, all of your feedback to Money in the Bank 2021 that... Did lack the drama of climbing the corporate ladder, didn't it? Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I was uh, missing. I don't remember a thing from that match besides like Otis. Like what? I don't you don't remember, remember uh, Ray and Aleister Black supposedly falling to their death and ah. then landing on the lower area next to the building that caught you them? You know, that really... That really should have been uh, Alistair Black's write-off from the company. No, we we got months more of that. He survived the both building men fall. Up, both men ended up losing their eyes. Yeah, they had. They should have. They should have cashed out while they could. Yes. yes. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. We're going to be back on Monday night with Rewind to Raw. We will be live for Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso Patrons. And do go check out Davey Portman and John Cena's review of Slammiversary from Saturday night uh, to go check that out with the big angle of Jay White confronting Kenny Omega and then doing the rest for the live crowd. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, A lot of big announcements coming off of Impact. Uh, It seemed like it was a really well-reviewed show. I caught the X Division match. It was really good. So if you're looking for something to watch tonight, maybe go and check that out. Yeah, I thought Ultimate X was very good. I liked the main event a lot. I actually thought like Moose and Chris Sabin had a nice match uh, together. Not at the level of the other two, but um, they had a very good match. I thought Deanna Perrazzo and Thunder Rosa had a very nice match. You had a bunch of appearances including the return of No Way Jose. I don't know how we didn't start the show off with that announcement. Dude, I was in the Up Next chat. Um, and, like, it's a weird... It's almost like... It reminds me of, like, watching Scramble Vision when I watch a pay-per-view through, like, Braden and John Cena's... Sorry, Davey and Cena's stream. Because, like, I'm getting them... <laughs> their reactions to what is going on. They do a great job of narrating it. So, like... I almost enjoy it more than like actually watching the shows themselves, especially for a show like last night where it was all like big returns and they went chat went nuts for no way. Jose's return. He's back. He's back in the wrestling world. So there you go. That Sorry. No way. Just no, no way. way. Yeah. He's just no way. All right. That's it for us. We will talk to you Monday night after raw is Cena. <laughs>